I welcome folks to tonight. And tonight I want to um, just move a little bit off our series um, on the kingdom. And tonight I just want to just deal with a subject on how do you know if there are tormentors following your life? And I think that it's something that we really need to look at because if I look at people's lives, I see that there's been a lot of things going wrong in their lives. How many of you have ever had a situation where you feel like you should have had a breakthrough and it just never comes? And it just feels like there's one thing after the next, after the next, after the next that comes across your path and you just feel like I'm just not getting this thing sorted out. And there are a lot of Christians who are walking around and saying, Arthur, I need answers. I need to get this breakthrough, but I've been doing this. I've been praying and I'm not seeing it. I've even been fasting, I'm not seeing it. I'm doing all sorts of things. And it's almost like this wave after wave after wave of onslaught coming on to some people. And so tonight I want to deal with what is the possibility that those onslaughts are actually tormentors. And if it is so, we need to stop the tormentors from coming into your house. And we need to stop this thing and sort it out. So tonight, I want to deal with some of these things. Now, a lot of people know that I've had a lot of experience with regards to um, deliverance and the occult and Satanism and all of these things. And I really have no problem dealing with people who are um, demonized and have demonic issues in their life. But what I have discovered in all the years of doing deliverance, and I've probably had deliverance on a good few thousand people by now, one of the things that always comes up as the key is a very simple thing of unforgiveness. 99% of all deliverance ends up with a root cause of unforgiveness. So we look at this thing, we have to take note of this thing and say, listen, why is it such a stronghold? What is it about unforgiveness that really brings you to a place that people are so bound and so tormented in their lives that it brings absolute total devastation and destruction around them? Well, tonight we want to explore this thing. We want to go into this thing and see what the Bible says about uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness. Because I think it's one of the most critical things that we've got in the church today. Wherever I go, I see Christians walking around with unforgiveness. I mean, I'm talking about pastors. I mean, we'll sit down in pastors' lounges and, you know, especially like after the service, you go to like a pastor's lounge and you sit around. And I mean, it is amazing how many times I've sat in these circles and I've heard pastors busy moaning about somebody else, got resentment against this one and got issues with that one. And I'm going, guys, we've got to be careful because the Bible is very clear about unforgiveness. And so what we're going to do tonight is we want to go and look at what is unforgiveness, what does the Bible speak about it, and what are the consequences of if I don't deal with it. Because this is one thing that a lot of people sit down and go, listen, I am entitled to hold on to something. Come on, how many people feel like somebody's done them wrong in their life? How many feel like you've got a right to hold on to that thing because you're justified? Come on, the truth of the matter is, we all feel like that. We all feel like we've been justified or we have a reason to hold on to unforgiveness. Well, let me be honest with you, in the natural you do. 
Because listen, I'm not going to get mad with somebody for no reason. I'm going to get mad with somebody if I think that they've done me wrong. Listen, if you get mad with somebody for no reason, there's something wrong with you. Come on. Most of us hold on to something, especially if it's deep-rooted, and that unforgiveness leads to bitterness. And the Bible says that that bitterness will lead to oppression. That oppression will lead to your death. So let me tell you something. There's a progression that starts with this unforgiveness. But I want you to see what happens. Why is it that unforgiveness has this thing to lead onto a devastated life? How does this thing work? Well, let's have a look. First of all, let's look at what Jesus said about this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, And Jesus said to him, Remember, the question was asked, How many times has I forgive this oak who's done me wrong? And Jesus says, I don't say to you up to seven times, but seventy times seven. How many times do I need to forgive the guy? Seventy times seven. I worked that out quickly. It's 490 times for the same thing. How many of you would forgive the guy for the same things 490 times? Come on, most people won't. Okay, most people won't even get to the seven. Okay, but with, this is what happens. Jesus Christ said, listen, you have got to get this thing out of your life. Why was it such an issue in Jesus' ministry to deal with this thing? Why does Jesus say that? Well, let me tell you something. It is critical that we deal with this because in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says this, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Your trespasses. So I want to tell you something, that many of us are actually standing and we are praying and God is not actually forgiving you for every time that you said sorry. This is very harsh, but this is a biblical principle that is operating in the Word of God. There is a law operating and we are not obeying the law. A spiritual law that operates, whether you accept it or not, it doesn't matter. If you do not accept it, it's like gravity, I refuse to accept it, jump off a boarding, you will be split. Okay? It operates with or without your approval. This is one of those. There is a law of unforgiveness equals unforgiveness. In other words, if I don't forgive, I cannot be forgiven. You see, so often we think that we have the right to do what we want to do and God must treat us differently to the way we treat somebody else. God must forgive me, but I can hold resentment to everybody else. God is saying, listen, it's a simple thing. You hold forgiveness, I hold forgiveness towards you. You forgive, I forgive you. So I want you to see that there is a principle that is operating in the Word of God that is severe. It is huge. Because one day you are going to stand before God and you are going to have to give an account for everything that you have done wrong that has not been forgiven. Remember that the minute you are forgiven, God says, I remember your sin no more. Everything's blotted out, you're pure before God. But if He does not forgive you your sin, it is on record. And you get a judgment for everything that you have held against somebody else. This is serious, folks. This is serious because I don't want to stand up in heaven one day and have to give an account for all 
the resentment that I've carried in my life and to find out that I've lost rewards. I've lost position in the kingdom because I've refused to forgive people. I want to tell you something, that I was also part of this thing. I used to sit down, I used to hold resentment. There were people that had done me wrong through my life. I used to sit down and I could be so offended. And I carried an offense once. The problem when you do that, you start drawing everybody who is like-minded with you. Somebody walked into my house, literally a year or so later, or maybe even two years later, and said after the offense had happened, and it was a legit offense, I had a reason to get mad. And there I'm sitting, and somebody walks into my house and says, there's probably about 30 odd people in my house, and the person walked in, and the first comment they said, do you realize that every single person sitting in your house is offended? I said, no man, you're joking. I look around and go, yep, he's offended. Yep, he's offended. She's offended. I looked around. Every single person in my house was offended. I had drawn everybody with an offense. And you see, so many of us think that that is right. We sit down and we say, we are justified with that. I'm sitting, telling you right now, I had 30 people in the, in the house and not one of them were ever forgiven their sin. God did not forgive any one of us because every one of us carried an offense. So God is saying to us, listen, we've got to sort out our act. Because we are not going to be able to move in power, move in the signs and wonders that we expect to see. And we are going to go through hell one thing after the next because we are carrying unforgiveness in our lives. That unforgiveness is going to lead you to an offense. You are going to get offended. You are going to go to bitterness. You are going to move over to hatred, even to murder. So I want you to know that we have to deal with these issues. Now let me make it even more scary for you. In Matthew chapter 18, let's pick up the story uh, from verse 22 to 35. And I'm going to read this, it's quite a long portion of scripture. But it's probably the most scary portion that we're going to read. And I want you to know this comes straight after, because in verse 22 he starts and he says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you that you forgive seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven, because of that, he's going to give us the principle right now. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like peanuts. That's millions compared to a few rands. And he laid his hands on him. That does not mean spiritually, I bless you, brother. He grabbed the guy, took him by the throat. If we laid hands like that, we'd be in trouble. Took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So this fellow servant fell on his feet and begged, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. 
but went and threw him into the prison until he should pay the debt. And so when the fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt and you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he paid all that was due to him. I want you to see what happened. He got handed over to the tormentors and the torturers. Listen to this. This is a scary verse coming up. 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to each one of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I want you to see something out of the scripture. There's a few things we're going to deal with. Number one is, this is a law. This is a promise that Jesus Christ directly gave us. As much as he said, if you confess your sin, I will forgive you. Now he's saying something slightly different. He says, if you do not forgive your brother, God is not only not going to forgive you, but he's going to put a tormentor on you. He's going to release a torturer on your life. How many Christians have felt like they've been tortured in their lives? How many Christians have felt like they've been totally tormented in their lives? That things are going bad, that there is a curse operating permanently, that no matter what you do, you just never get it out. And all sorts of things start happening over and over and over in your life. Well, we're going to deal with that tonight. But I want you to see something interesting. When he forgives somebody, listen to this. Who goes and tells the king about the other servant? His fellow servants. This implies that you as a Christian can look at another Christian who is not forgiving somebody who is carrying resentment and take it before God and say, God, look at that brother. He's carrying resentment. He's holding people bondage. You see, when you hold resentment towards somebody else, you are spiritually holding them captive. There is a connection between you and them. And God says, I want no connection between you and anybody else other than your spouse and your family. There's not supposed to be this connection of holding people bondage. Every time you sit down and think about it or speak about it, you are busy reinforcing a demonic stronghold. And God says, I need that thing sorted out. So if you know of somebody who has unforgiveness, then you need to sit down and say, listen, God, see that person. Because God then will be reminded to release a tormentor onto that person. Because it's important that that person starts getting sorted out. And so that they can get released of that thing, so that they don't hold people into bondage. Because God will not tolerate people who are holding others in bondage. Because we have the power to do that. That's why the Bible says, if you know that your brother has ought against you, you go to him. Why? Because you are setting yourself free. And you are helping your brother get out of this thing so that he does not end up being tormented. You see, the problem is this. Not only do we just start on the easy level. Number one, if, they have, if you've got unforgiveness in your life, you are not forgiven. God doesn't even hear your prayers. God, please forgive me. Please protect me. God's going to do nothing. 
You've just cancelled yourself out from the power of the living God to operate in your life. And I have seen how that somebody has hurt, every single Satanist I've ever dealt with started off with somebody hurting them. Whether they were sexually abused or whether they were physically um, you know, abused or molested or something has happened that they want to get power to be able to handle this thing and that resentment was the key for that demonic source. Everything starts with that forgiveness. And if you carry that unforgiveness, I want to tell you right now, you have just released a promise of the Lord to say you have got a tormentor following you. You are going to have a torturer following you. Now I want to tell you something. You cannot sit down and say, God heal me because God's not going to heal you. You're going to find that your prayers are falling on the floor. Why? Because Satan now has a direct legal ground in your life. How do I deliver a Satanist? Sit down and say, I forgive the person, then there's no more legal ground, and then that demon has to leave. And in Christians, it's operating the same. And my problem is this, is that very principle is operating inside of the church today. Right up to the highest levels of leadership. There are leaders walking around with unforgiveness in their heart, and because they have the unforgiveness in their heart, the devil has a right into their life. How many leaders do you know that have got all sorts of troubles breaking loose? All sorts of issues breaking loose? It is because of that rooted unforgiveness, and we have got to address it in the church. I want to be free. I do not want the devil any foothold or near my house. I want to be able to sit down and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I am free and I get set free. I want to say, God, I thank you that you forgive my sin and my sins are forgiven. That I don't have to give an account for anything. All I need to do is stand before God and get my rewards. I don't need to give an account for sin. Let me tell you something, every time you have an account for sin, you are busy affecting your eternal future. Because God says, I reward you to give you cities. I reward you to reign over nations. Your reigning and ruling has got to do with your obedience on this earth. And so as a Christian, you have got to start sorting out your heart. If you don't deal with this unforgiveness, you must know that you have opened the door for a legal right for Satan to destroy your life. And I don't want to get to the place where God doesn't hear my prayer. I don't want to get to the place that I cannot get this breakthrough. Over and over this thing is just permanently around. It is because of unforgiveness in my life. And I'm not saying everything is unforgiveness. I'm asking you to go and check your heart. How do you know if you've got unforgiveness? Well, let somebody just mention somebody's name and see how you feel. You know, some people, you just mention their name and all hell breaks loose. I'm telling you, the reactions and the responses, it's just phenomenal. And I'm telling you right now, God is wanting that eradicated out of the church. Not because of the church's issue, because of your issue. He wants you to sit down and be free. He does not want to sit down and allow the devil into your life. Now what is scaring me is the fact that the church is accommodating this thing quite easily. It is so easy to listen to Skinner. To tell somebody how bad somebody else has been to them. 
how badly a Christian has been. I've got to the point right now, when people sit down and start saying about how bad that other person is, I want to go set up a meeting. Well, do you mind if I phone that person? Let's call them in, let's sort this out. Because the Bible says that you've got ought against your brother, and that ought is going to kill you, so I need to sort this out. I'm going to go and fetch that person and sort it out. And you are going to sort this thing out because you have to be free. Not because of the person, but because of you. I need you to be free. I need you to have your prayers answered. I need you to get your reward, and I need you to walk in victory. And I want to challenge the church. The Bible is against gossip. The Bible is against these things when we sit down and we start sowing division amongst each other. And when it comes to unforgiveness, it's the fastest way to start sowing offense. I have a huge problem when somebody has unforgiveness towards somebody and then they go and tell everybody, everybody picks up that offense and the person who had the issue sorts it out and everybody else is still offended. Because when it gets sorted out, they don't go broadcast and say, hey, everything's sorted out now, guys. They just carry on with life. Meanwhile, all the people that they told them, or that they discussed it with, are sitting with that offense, and some of that can go on for years. So I want to challenge us tonight, never allow unforgiveness in your heart anymore. I sat down, it took me two years to get rid of some of this stuff. It took me two years to work through it properly that I would not get offended. And guess what? I ended up in a worse battle, in a situation where I should have been probably ten times more offended. Everything was just breaking around me because of somebody's actions. And I sat down and I did not pick up an offense ever again. In fact, the Christians around me got mad with me because I did not even get cross about it. I said, I refuse to get offended. I'm going to stand here no matter what. They can do whatever they want. I refuse to pick up that offense because I saw the result of two years of offense being carried in my life and unforgiveness. And so I have made it a habit to clear my heart of any unforgiveness as fast as I can. And the way that I do it is I start off by saying, God, hurt people, hurt people. God, that person has offended me because they are hurt. There's something not right. They didn't act right for a reason. They are hurt. There's something wrong with them. Somebody has hurt them and now they're taking it out on me. And not every battle is about me. God might be testing somebody else and I'm just one of the people as part of the collateral damage. And so we've got to understand that every single person that hurt somebody else has been hurt by themselves. You know, you look at this and you go and look at Satanists and you sit down and you see what they get up to. You know, and you go, how on earth can somebody go and rape somebody else? Let's take the story of Alison where the two Satanists took her and they cut her throat and they did all sorts of stuff to her. How could somebody do that? And then when you find out what happens to the person that it started, where did this demonic thing start? You find out that they were sexually abused as a child. They opened the door, they picked up the unforgiveness, they picked up the resentment, opened the door to the devil, it grew, it got stronger, it got stronger, and it ended up to where it was murder. Okay, not that Alison died, but that is where it was going. I want to tell you something, there is a progression. And I'm starting to see it infiltrate the church like I've never seen it before. 
I have seen Christians sitting down and saying, it's okay to backstab my brother. It's okay to sit down and hold offenses. It's okay to hold unforgiveness. And what's even worse for me is they sit down and they take communion with it. The Bible says that we need to examine our hearts to make sure that we are pure. And we sit down and going to God. It's actually part of a mockery before God to sit down and say, well, God, I'm going to have communion. I'm going to sit down. Thank you for the price that you paid, but I'm going to hold the price against Him. I need this forgiveness. Thank you, God, for this forgiveness. But Him, He's not worthy to be forgiven. Every time you go to communion, that's why the Bible says that you drink of the blood and the cup unworthily. That's what it talks about. Where you sit down and say, it's good enough for me, but not good enough for him. So the Bible says, leave your stuff, go make right with your brother, and mean it. Not verbally, oh I love you brother, and I'm stabbing him in the back with knives. We have got to get to a place where we grow up as the body of Christ. Now I know that this is a heavy message, but I want you to know, if sometimes we have to come in with a scalpel, we have to cut the wounds off, open to get rid of all the junk inside. We are carrying wounds that are busy destroying us and destroying our families, and we have got to say enough is enough. So tonight I want to challenge you. The next time you take communion, make sure that you are sorted out with every single person around you. Make sure, not for their sake, for your sake. Because God wants us to operate with brotherly love. He wants us to be able to sort things out quickly and say, I genuinely forgive you. I let the issue go and I'm not going to remember it anymore. And when you get to that place, then you are starting to become a mature Christian. No matter how bad it is. Because, listen to me carefully now. That unforgiveness gets passed on to your kids. Gets passed on to everybody around you. If I, just think about this, if I by one offense could draw 30 people who are offended, can you imagine what my family is going to be like living with me? Can you imagine where I'm not so controlled with what I say and how I say it, I'm going to start talking about people. I'm going to start running people down. And eventually my whole family picks up the offense with me. Did you see what that person did to me? Look at the way we act now. Look at the results. Look at the consequences. And we carry on and carry on. And we're sitting with this huge unforgiveness in our heart. And then the next second, your entire family has all got it. And then I have been the source of getting my kids' prayers not answered. God is going to judge us, folks. God is going to hold us accountable for every action that we take, knowing. And the scary part of this is, and I want to close with this, this is a principal law. This is a spiritual law that operates whether you accept it or not. You can justify it, you can put it aside, you can say, listen, I've got reason. You have no reason to hold on to any unforgiveness, otherwise God can have reason not to forgive you. We expect God to forgive us when we say we're sorry. I want you to know that we need to get to the place where we say, God, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
I'm not going to carry forgiveness, uh, unforgiveness. I'm not going to carry offenses. I want to tell you right now, you can get there. I have seen in my own children, how that even at school, you know, in primary school, sometimes kids can get a bit rough, and they can ostracize, they can neglect. You know, they'll form gangs, and suddenly you're not part of the group, you've been chucked out of the group, and all of this, and they talk against. I have seen how my kids sometimes, in primary school even, will be ostracized, and sit down, and people have said stuff about them that are all lies, but just out of jealousy or spite or whatever it is. And then my kids will stand up and go, I forgive them all, and, and go and play with them again. That sometimes I, without saying anything, want to go beat up any child. Because I know that it was really ugly, very unfair, and we're sitting now for a week or two of tears and hardship and heartbreak and everything because they've been rejected. And we deal with all of that. And then next week they're all friends again. And how that they can turn around and genuinely forgive. I mean genuinely forgive. Not just to get back in the gang. But genuinely sit down and say, I forgive them even though they were ugly to me. And actually go and buy them gifts. And do things that are nice. And I look at that and I say, God, this is what Christianity should be like. This is what Christianity should be like. Even though they've done me wrong, I'm going to bless them. That is why... You get to the stage where people like David and these guys, where they start praying at night for their enemies. They start having a heart towards people, no matter what they have done towards them. They don't hold resentment, they actually start praying for them. They start interceding for them. Why? If you can get this concept, hurt people, hurt people. That person was ugly because somebody was ugly to them or something had gone wrong. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus that we will examine our hearts. Lord, that we will make a list of every single person who has offended us. Lord, I thank you right now that you're going to help us deal with these offenses and this unforgiveness that is in our lives. Lord, that we'll be able to eradicate it so that the tormentors don't come after us. And Lord, right now I pray That each one of us will take this thing so seriously and identify the fact that because we hold unforgiveness in our life, that Satan has a right to torment our lives. Father, I pray that this will be such a revelation that we will never take communion unworthily again. That we will come to the cup and say, God, I thank you for forgiving me as much as I forgive my brother who has hurt me. Lord, I pray right now that you'll help us grow up as the body of Christ and help us eradicate this sickness that is destroying the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray right up from the top leadership, right down to the lowest newborn Christian. Lord, I thank you right now that we will deal with unforgiveness and resentment and offenses. And Lord, that we will not carry these things anymore. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. 
Thank you, folks, for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number, 082-659-2224, or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many, many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website, www.fathersheart.co.za. Also, Subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.